Greetings, my mammals. You're listening to UCC 98.3 FM, and this is your host, Pia. Thank you for tuning in to Too Long Didn't Bother, the show for when something is too long and you just don't want to bother. I'll bother for you. I'm your host, Pia, and each week I'll break down some form of media, be it film, music, video games, books, whatever, into a more easily digestible format. I wanted to say first and foremost that I'm really glad to be back in the studio. I had to take a hiatus for the last two weeks due to personal reasons, so I appreciate all the support I've been getting, and I still Hope that you enjoy this week's episode as we get back into regular programming. This week, I will be taking a stab at the Halloween franchise. As a result, I would like to make you aware of the following trigger warnings. Profanity, murder, assault, suicide, sexual assault, incest, child abuse, and a bunch of other horrible things that happen in this series. Now, I don't blame you for tuning out if you are going to, as the the topics do get very heavy, even if fictional. So, this is your chance to tune out now. Now... About the series, from 1978 to 2022, there have been 13 films with five different timelines and each more different than the next. But one thing stays consistent for the most part, our boy Michael Myers, aka The Shape. And wouldn't you know, it's the big butcher's birthday today. According to the main canon, he would be about 65 years old if he were real and, oh, if he were real. I'll be doing more talking than music this episode, or at least I intend to do that, so let's boogeyman on down. So, the first one, Halloween released in 1978. Uh, I don't think that there is a single fan of the franchise that disagrees with the fact that the first film is by far the best one. This film has it all. Stalking, impaling, boobs, pumpkins, Michael dressed up as a ghost with glasses and a banger soundtrack. John Carpenter wrote, directed and composed the music for this film himself. And his style just absolutely shows. He really loves to play with the imagination, leaving a lot of negative space in shots and the idea of something always lurking in the shadows something that he significantly embellishes upon in his later film and my personal favourite of all time, The Thing, released in 1982. Oh my god, I love that film. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's oh, so good. Uh, This film, Halloween, establishes two characters who will be present in the majority of the series. The first is the man, the myth, the murderer, Michael Myers, the main antagonist of the franchise for the most part. And the second is the most famous, but not actually the first final girl, Laurie Strode, because the first was actually in previous films. Um, I would say it's probably, the first one's probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sally and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but argue with me if you want to. <laughs> Michael in this film is pl- played by three people, the first being his body actor, stunt performer Nick Castle, the second being his face performer for that one scene where his mask is taken off, Tony Moran, and the third being the actor for the young Michael Myers in his clown costume, Will Sandin. Now this is important because these are the kind of like original Michael Myers and basically each with each rendition of Michael Myers, a new person literally dons the mask. Uh, now, Laurie, of course, is played by the screen queen and currently controversial as of October 2023, Jamie Lee Curtis, who reprises the role of Laurie in pretty much every film the character is by one particular timeline. The film follows the quote-unquote un- innocent Laurie Strode living in Haddonfield, Illinois, except that the film was actually shot in California, and how she's trying to fit in with the more liberated teens, we'll say. To them, she's a prude, and to her, they're crude. But the film isn't just about Laurie's coming of age. There is, of course, Michael Myers, who we are shown at the beginning, just killed his older sister, Judith, when he was a child and was subsequently sent to Smith's Grove Sanitarium. He escapes when a nurse, Marion, and the psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis, whose name was inspired from Sam Loomis from Hitchcock's Psycho, who travel to the sanitarium to see Michael, but when they arrive, see that all of the patients have escaped. Once Loomis leaves the car to check what is happening, Marion is attacked by Michael, but she is left alone. One of the only victims of Michael left alive as he wanted her car, not her, which is something very rare when you see the subsequent films. 
The film then follows Michael returning to his family home where he killed his sister, which just so happens to be where Laurie lives, named the Myers house. Before he gets there, though, he picks up his signature look by killing a mechanic and stealing his clothes, along with stealing the mask and knife from a local store. Once he sees Laurie in his old house, it is implied that he, he kind of visualizes his dead sister Judith in her, and as such, she becomes his obsession. From then on, he stalks her, kills all of her friends, and it eventually comes to a head-to-head between Laurie and Michael, where Laurie stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle, and in the classic, Batty looks dead but isn't dead trope, Michael sits right back up. <laughs> the film ends with Michael being shot by Dr. Loomis and falling off a balcony. However, we never actually see Michael's body, as when Laurie and Loomis look over the ledge, holy uh, alliteration for days, uh, Michael is gone, leaving the characters and viewer with a sense of overwhelming unease. And with that... We'll take a short break and play the titular theme from John Carpenter's 1978 masterpiece, Halloween. Just because I think it's like so iconic, it just warrants being played. And that's basically how that 
song goes. And that was so iconic. I mean, that's still iconic today. Everyone knows that theme. I mean, I every October, I pretty much set that as my ringtone, um, even though I usually have my phone on silent in lectures. But, you know, you know, to get in that ooky spooky mood. Um, but anyway, let's move on to Halloween 2. So this one was released in 1981. And this film picks up where we left off from the first one. Um, and this is actually the first in two of the five aforementioned timelines. This is kind of one that leads off into two different splits. Uh, with this, we see uh, Michael, who has fallen off a balcony, as we mentioned previously, skulking through Haddonfield, killing pretty much everyone he comes into contact with. He finds out through the news uh, about Laurie's whereabouts. She's in a hospital and heads there. While Laurie is in the hospital, she has strange dreams about her being adopted. And it's then later revealed by Nurse Marion to Dr. Loomis that Laurie is actually Michael's sister. And that's the supposed reason for his obsession with her. There's a big kerfuffle, as usual, with Loomis and Laurie fighting Michael in honestly one of the cooler scenes in the franchise, with Laurie shooting Michael in both eyes, causing bloody tears to fall down the front of the mask, which looks pretty sick if you've seen it. The L&L pair then set off flammable gas and ignite it, exploding into a fiery ball of flames and engulfing Michael in it. Michael emerges from the blaze and collapses, and the film ends with Laurie being transferred to a different hospital. But this film has interesting parts to it, but overall it tries a bit too hard to try and explain things and force connections between the characters. Like, kind of, the charm behind the first one is that kind of, it was just, Michael's just killing people because they were in his house kind of thing. And it was also, you know, the whole allegory of, like, loss of innocence, yada yada. The whole, you know, the slasher rules as depicted by... um oh my god what's his name in scream i i this see this is so funny is that like i remember facts and then i forget them um and then this guy everyone always says that he's me and then i've just forgotten his name uh, but you know who i'm talking about if you know the scream franchise uh but it's like i don't know this one it's halloween 2 is a bit too dramatized and you'll see this again in the subsequent films where it very much like something that was so raw about the first one is like taken and made into too much of a story and that kind of ruins the whole aspect of it uh, i really just think that it needs to be simplified down in order for it to be a good movie really especially if it's a halloween film um but pretty much all of the subsequent films have a big story as part of them but the best thing about this film is the soundtrack and oh my goodness is it like the first one, it's iconic, the soundtrack is great, but this one takes that and just plays with it on a way bigger level. Now, the soundtrack was composed by John Carpenter, but also Alan Howarth, uh, and it's just like, oh my goodness, it just embellishes upon things. Um, now, I actually won't play a song from each film, as we'll be here all day, but this one I think deserves a special mention. It's the track, The Shape in Laurie's Room from Halloween 2.
Ain't that just the creepiest? I find that that one actually, funnily enough, reminds me of the loading screen for Among Us, um, which makes sense because Among Us is directly like inspired by The Thing, John Carpenter's other film. Um, but anyway, Halloween 3, named also Season of the Witch, is like none of the prior films. In fact, it's the only film in the franchise that does not have Michael in it at all. This is a creative choice, uh, as John Carpenter actually wanted the wanted to move away from the whole Michael and Laurie storyline after Halloween 2 and wanted to start uh, basically what's called the anthology series, which is where each subsequent film would be entirely separate to one another and only the only connection to be made is that they would all be set on Halloween. And this film centers around cursed trick-or-treating masks and androids and the Celtic tradition of Samhain, which, of course, the pronunciation is absolutely butchered by the Americans. Like, it's so bad. And to this day, I'm still wondering who the heck Sam Hain is and why he keeps popping up only in naming the series. But oh well. Anyway, after a few deaths of children as a result of the masks, the main character, Harry Grimbridge, sets out to find out what is happening and uncovers a ridiculous plot set out by the mask factory's owner, Connell Cochran, whose name is also butchered, where Connell wants to use the masks to set off a large-scale human sacrifice for the festival of Samhain. But there are a few weird connections to Stonehenge and a lot of strange shenanigans. Uh, but the film ends with the baddies dying and Harry managing to stop only part of the sacrifice, but it's implied that he doesn't succeed entirely. Now, this film was a choice. And that, like, it, yeah, decisions were made. Um, and that's really all that I'm going to say about it in that respect. It's, I guess it's worth a watch, but only really to form your own opinion of it. Uh, but it really is honestly hard to get past the butchered pronunciation of the Irish words like Samhain. I just, ugh. Who the, who the heck is Sam Hay? <laughs> um, now, I won't play a song from this one um, because we still have to get through 10 more films. So we'll jump right into Halloween 4. Now, Halloween 4 is aptly named The Return of Michael Myers since a lot of people were disappointed that Michael wasn't in Halloween 3. So this one is actually part of the second timeline split. So we had the first film, the second film, and then the third film was in a separate timeline because it's not actually really connected to the first two films. Um, but this one's called the Thorn. It's the first of the Thorn trilogy, um, which actually comprises one, two, four, five, and six. With four, five, and six being the Thorn trilogy, um, but them still being connected to one and two, um, as this one is set ten years after Halloween two, where Michael awakens after being comatose since the whole hospital ordeal, and is on the way back to Smith's Grove again. But of course, he escapes and goes back to Haddonfield, and Loomis once again gets on the case to try and stop him. It's revealed that Laurie has a daughter called Jamie, who then would be Michael's niece, who has been adopted and is living in Haddonfield. Jamie has recurring nightmares about Michael, and it's kind of implied that there's some sort of supernatural kind of, like, psychological connection, like tele te uh, telepathic connection between them. Um, and once Michael finds out through photos of Laurie in Jamie's room that Jamie is Laurie's daughter, he kind of just, like, gives up on Laurie and pursues Jamie instead. Um, basically because like Laurie's not in this film at all it's just said like oh Jamie's Laurie's daughter but Jamie Lee Curtis who plays Laurie just isn't in this film and as a result Laurie isn't in the film um, and so yeah Michael just kind of he, he gives up on Laurie and is like oh I'm gonna go kill her daughter instead um, and so he kills a bunch of people in pursuit of Jamie and a lynch mob looking for Michael shows up and there's a lot of fighting as usual um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of people die, um, a lot of people attack Michael, there's a moment where Jamie reaches out and touches Michael, 
Um, and then Michael subsequently shot multiple times and fall down a mine chute. Like it's literally, that's exactly what happens. It's he gets shot and falls down a mine chute. Like, why were you standing near a mine chute? It's, uh, yeah, plot things. Um, and then the movie finishes with Jamie going home to her babysitter's house. Um, and then it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a funny ending because it's like Jamie attacks her babysitter's mom with a pair of scissors and she's wearing a similar clown costume to that of like what Michael wore when he killed his sister all those years ago. And it's kind of like, they're implying that like Jamie has been somehow influenced by Michael. Um, it's a bit weird. Um, and this one's just kind of, it's kind of forgettable. Um, as are the, like, well, okay. I say the rest of them are forgettable. The next one's forgettable. And the, the third in the Thorn trilogy is not unforgettable for the wrong reasons, let's say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Halloween five is named the revenge of Michael Myers. And, of course, Michael is not dead following Halloween 4, um, even though it's like they throw dynamite down the mine chute, like, oh my god, that'll kill him. Um, but of course, he's not dead because they needed to make another film. Um, but sure, how could he be like? Um, but he re he returns to Haddonfield once again to find Jamie, who's now at the Haddonfield Children's Hospital and is now mute, similar to her uncle. Um, and yeah, basically in this one, they confirm that there is a telepathic connection between them, which indicates to Loomis that Michael's not dead because Jamie's like having visions of him and she's like, oh, like he kind of infers that from her. Um, but as usual, nobody listens to poor old Loomis and they're kind of like, oh, no way. He's dead. We blew him up with dynamite, even though like he did try to blow him up in Halloween 2 and that didn't work. Um, but anyway, Michael once again goes on a rampage to find Jamie, but... Jamie actually seems like she does want this to end. It's kind of like, they're kind of like, oh, she was influenced by him kind of thing. But then she kind of like snaps out of it almost. And then she's no longer mute. And then she like helps them um, through her like visions and stuff. Um, and Loomis and the sheriff, uh, who's Sheriff Mackie, I believe. Uh, and he was in the previous film. Um, they basically set a trap for Michael at the old Myers house. But of course, it doesn't go as planned as nothing ever goes as planned in these films. Uh, but they do eventually wrangle Michael and promise Jamie that he will rot and die in jail, basically, and let that'll stay in jail forever. But she says um, that he will never die, uh, signifying that there is going to be another film in this series and they're going to keep making money off it and beating this dead horse. Um, this one ends with Jamie visiting Michael to find his cell empty and her crying because she realizes that she's going to, that not, not only is he alive and he's escaped but she's gonna have to return for the final film in this trilogy um which is by far the worst and my least favorite in the entire franchise and now that is like one of the other films is also like close to that but this one's just like monumentally worse uh but so the final in the thorn trilogy is halloween 6 the curse of michael myers um and as i've said before it's my least favorite it's set six years after the last and opens with a strange person named the man in black, not to be confused with the men with the men in black, which is one of my favorite movies of all time and one of my favorite series of all time and is just significantly better than this movie in all way, shape and form. Um, but anyway, the man in black is the leader of the cult of Thorn, hence why this trilogy is named the Thorn trilogy. Um, and I'm once again going to give the warning for sexual assault and incest for this one because this one is the one that contains it. Um, but basically, the cult forces 15-year-old Jamie to give birth to a baby, which was in vitro fertilized using Michael's sperm. Yeah, uh, they decided to go that route with it, um, which is just wild. Uh, but anyway, she manages to escape with the baby and flee. But Michael follows them because he's like, oh, like, 
I don't want that baby getting out. That's my baby kind of thing. It's it's weird. Okay, it's it's strange. Um, they eventually meet up with like so the baby and Jamie eventually meet up with Loomis once again and a few others, including a kid named Danny who has visions of the man in black telling him to commit heinous acts. Um, and oh, by the way, uh, Paul Rudd is actually in this film. Um, yeah, just a fun fact amongst the creep amongst the creepiness. Um, he does not make this film better. Um, but he plays the character of Tommy, um, who will be important later, but yeah, he's just like in the film. And I remember watching this the first time and I was like, oh, there's Paul Rudd, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's revealed that the cult has taken over Smith's Grove and was using it as a facility to perform DNA experiments on people using the so-called power of the thorn. And since Jamie's baby is the successful manifestation of that attempt, Michael wants to, you know, dispose of the baby who is then named Stephen by one of the characters. I believe Danny names him, but uh, Michael turns against the cult and kills them all. And the Thorn trilogy ends finally with Michael getting injected with corrosive liquid by Paul Rudd's character. And he beats Michael with a lead pipe, which is honestly the best scene in the film. Cause it's just like, yeah, okay, finally beat, beat him to death. Uh, hopefully he dies this time. But of course we know that there are still like a bunch of more films. There's <laughs> still like seven more films. Um, but anyway, everyone but Michael leaves the sanitarium um oh and but loomis as well um who sees that michael's mask is the only thing left of him and finally it's over that trilogy is just oh my goodness god awful uh, and i really really don't like this movie it is not good honestly i would not even recommend watching it for the sake of knowledge it's just that bad the whole thorn trilogy is that bad like the first one's kind of like oh okay yeah this is interesting concept like oh laurie is a child where is laurie kind of thing and it's like oh the child is just like michael yada yada it's just uh it's just kind of cringe um but anyway we need a cleanse and this comes very happily with the return of the character of laurie strode in the next film halloween 7 aka halloween h20 or h2o as some people also call it um, this one's separate is a separate timeline to Anthology and Thorn, nicknamed the H20 timeline or the timeline where Laurie has a son. So the previous one's Laurie has a daughter. This one's Laurie has a son. Um, and this is the other timeline that's connected to Halloween 2. Um, and it's called Halloween H20 because it was released in 1998, 20 years after the first film, and is also set 20 years in the future. Um, well, 20 years after the second, the first film. Uh, this timeline includes one, two, this film, and a sequel, which we'll discuss. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis reprises her role as Laurie, and this one is actually, it's pretty decent, to be honest, as far as, like, sequels and stuff go and beating the dead horse goes. It follows Laurie Strode having faked her death and moved to California, changing her name to Carrie Tate in the process, but despite this, she still cannot escape the trauma she endured. Michael, of course, is still alive and is looking for Laurie as he somehow found the file on her and how she changed her name and faked her death, which makes no sense. But, you know, plot, you know, um, Laurie is revealed to have a son named John, who she bickers with due to her past trauma and him being an angsty teen. Uh, Michael then shows up and kills a bunch of people as usual. And there's there's a really cool face off. Actually, this is this is what makes the film really good, that there's kind of like a really cool face off going on between the two siblings where it's like Laurie's like battling her like inner struggle and stuff. And then Michael's like, oh, he's like there and he's like representation of her past and stuff. Um, and it ends in Laurie feeling bad for Michael for a split second um, and then decapitating him in a really metal way with an axe. Um yeah, and so, like, overall, this one's pretty decent. Um, like, as far as watching sequels and stuff, I would say watch this one over the Thorn trilogy significantly. Um, and the sequel is pretty good in its own way. So, 
Halloween 8, otherwise known as Resurrection, is the funniest in the franchise. I actually love this one. A lot of people really hate it. I love this one because it's so campy. It's so quirky. It's so fun. Um, you have like cameos from people like Tyra Banks is in it. Um, and of course, Buster Rhymes, who we'll come back to in a bit. Um, but basically set three years after the last one, Michael is back because apparently the person Laurie decapitated was actually a paramedic and not Michael. And she's in institutionalized as a result. Uh, Michael, of course, once again shows up, but this time succeeds in killing Laurie, like at the beginning of the film. Like this one's shocking because like he shows up, kills Laurie at the beginning of the film. And then the rest of the film, you're like, oh, where are they going to go with this? And you cannot predict where they're going to go. <laughs> yeah, but he kills Laurie and throws her off a roof. Um, and then like a year later, some college kids decide to host an internet reality show set in the Myers house with actors dressed as Michael for laughs. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, uh, they bring people in and they're like jump scared and stuff by actors and stuff, kind of like a haunted, creepy house sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but the only issue is that the actual Michael shows up and starts killing people, uh, which leads to a really entertaining and funny comedy film culminating with a showdown between Busta and Michael with the incredibly quotable line, trick or treat motherfucker, <laughs> as Busta electrocutes Michael to presume death. However, in typical fashion, he's not dead. Like, the craziest things happen like Tyra Banks oh she shows up she's like gutted like a fish she's like there's just like crazy things happening um people are like you know thrown off things people are like fighting with each other and stuff there's it's a lot of like you know kind of uh 90s lingo in it early 2000s lingo kind of thing um it's just like it's so absurd and I love it so much it's so camp um, and I would recommend to watch it literally because of how absurd it is um, just because like it's so tonally different from all the other films all the other films are like oh you know the struggle of Michael and Laurie and like Laurie's kids and stuff and like the history and like oh Michael and then it's like oh yeah um, Michael's gonna like fight people in a house and they're gonna like beat the crap out of him and there's gonna be like beats and stuff like that going on and like fight scenes and everything and it's like it's so funny I love this one it has a really special place in my heart but a lot of the like hardcore fans really don't like it simply because like it was so funny and they're like no it has to be like it's the same as the original you know the original's like oh and i'm like in the same way that um for example the texas chainsaw massacre um the first one was so good uh directed by toby hooper and the second one was also directed by toby hooper but he knew that he couldn't recreate the like essence of the first one uh, basically because it was so iconic you know the mise-en-scene everything you know the set design the ambiance everything um, and so in the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre he just goes wild with it it's so campy it's set in an abandoned carnival um, you know you have like you know them having like an allegory like oh sex or the saw them them making fun of Leatherface being a virgin and stuff it's like like what is going on in this film um, and that's exactly what's going on here it's very much like they're taking the piss of the Halloween franchise and how like, you know, Michael kind of representing like the serious element of it and them just like beating the crap out of him. Um, and they're making fun of the franchise as a whole and how it's like basically just like an entire cash grab. And I love that so much. But of course, like the hardcore fans that are like, you know, oh, the, the purists, I guess you could call them. They're like, no, uh-uh. Um, but anyway, then moves on to Halloween 9, which is also called Halloween. And now this one... It's funny because there's three 
films in the franchise that are all called Halloween. And so I'll explain each of them. The original Halloween, I'll call the original Halloween. And then this one's Halloween 9. Um, and it's also called Halloween. And it's the first in the fourth timeline named the Rob Zombie timeline because it was directed by none other than the living dead guy, Rob Zombie. This one's very stylistic and is often compared to be more like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and has a more narrative storyline. Now, Zombie starts off by establishing a significant backstory for Michael and his home dynamic with a lot of the same character names like Judith, Loomis, etc. Michael ends up killing his sister, her boyfriend and his mother's abusive boyfriend and a school buddy, uh, a school buddy, a school bully, not a buddy, uh, but sparing his infant sister, Angel, and he's then subsequently institutionalized. He spends his days making masks and killing people, leading to the person Michael loves most, his mother Deborah, killing herself. The alternate Laurie comes into the film and once again, all of her friends are killed by Michael. And similarly to all the other films, Laurie and Michael have a showdown and neither of them die at the end. That's kind of like, I don't know, it's very similar to the first film in many ways, but it's also very different. And I I kind of like the way that he kind of spun the story in a slightly different way. Um, but the sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, also called Halloween 2, it follows a very similar plot to the original Halloween 2, um, with there being a connection between Laurie and Michael. This film goes the same way with it being set in a hospital for a good chunk and then Laurie finding out that she's Michael's sister, um, the baby that he spared. There is some weird Oedipus thing that happens with the weird hallucinations of their shared mother and the two kind of like reconcile a bit. It's like, it's kind of strange. Um, but Michael kills a few more people, including Loomis, um, and then is actually killed by Laurie herself, who was then institutionalized with the film ending on Laurie in the Institute and her hallucinations of their mother, Deborah. Um, the Rob Zombie timeline is interesting in that it's stylistically very different. It's like much grungier and much more modern. And as a result, a lot of the fans of the franchise either love or hate it. Personally, I find it interesting and I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of neutral about it. I'm like, okay, this is basically like a lot of the things are the exact same. It's very predictable, um, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like fan fiction. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I kind of like this and I don't really appreciate people saying like, oh my God, he just like ripped off the original. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like he's putting his own spin on it. Um, But anyway, we'll move on to the final timeline, which has a few good ones and a few stinkers. Um, and oh no, like I will go on and on about the final film in this franchise. Oh no, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's get into it. Um, so Halloween 11 is once again called Halloween. Uh, it's the first in the Blumhouse trilogy, also named the David Gordon Green trilogy because it's directed by David Gordon Green. It's a sequel to the first film. So for example, like, uh, the other ones, like the Thorn trilogy and the H20 trilogy were connected to the second film. Uh, The Rob Zombie one is on a separate thing altogether because it's not connected to any of the other films. The uh, anthology one's connected to the first and second film, not really because it's like, it's just set on Halloween. That's the connection. And then this one's connected to the first film, but that kind of doesn't make any sense in the first one. And this was a big criticism of it because in the, first on Halloween 2018 or Halloween 11. Um, basically, they make fun of the fact that like people, It's basically, so how it's brought up in the film is that people are like, oh, didn't they say that like Michael was like Laurie's brother? And they were like, no, people made that up as a rumor on, uh, to try and like separate it from Halloween 2. But then it kind of calls into question the whole thing of like, why is Michael looking for Laurie? Because he does go looking for Laurie in this one. 
Um, and then they kind of retcon that in the second film in this trilogy, um, which I'll get into. And it like it kind of doesn't make any sense. But anyway, we ball. Um, but anyway, this one is set 40 years after the first film, um, where Michael escapes once again from the institution he was in. Um, and it isn't actually explained until later how they captured him after the original, because if you'll remember, he was tossed off of a balcony and then he disappears. Um, and you're just kind of expected to trust them at first. But anyway, uh, they captured him. It's just kind of, yeah, we got to accept that. Um, and Michael immediately gears up in a freshly killed mechanics suit um, and gets his mask off some annoying true crime podcasters um, that actually they went to basically they go to him when he's in the institute um, and they show him his mask and they're like what do you feel do you feel anything um, and they're like you can feel it calling to you and it's all very I don't know it's kind of cringe um, and they basically brought his mask directly to him so he just takes it off their dead bodies um, and goes and finds Laurie he goes back to Haddonfield anyway um, then Laurie is shown in the film and she's played by Jamie Lee Curtis once again um, and she's very much traumatized from her past, leading her to build a heavily defended house and strained relationships with her family. So she has a husband who it's kind of presumed that she died. Uh, sorry, that he died. And then she has like a new husband. Um, and then she has her daughter from her previous marriage. No, actually, her husband left because he was like sick of her because she's oh trauma. Well, it's like, oh, I can't deal with traumatized women, blah, blah. Um and she has a daughter named Karen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very aptly named. <laughs> um, and then she has a granddaughter named Allison, um, who's very intrinsic to the story. Uh, so Michael shows up in town again and starts killing people, starting at a party that uh, Laurie's granddaughter Allison is at. Um, there's kind of like a mini plot where it's like Allison's boyfriend's cheating on her and then it's like, oh, he's like a bad person um, and then he gets killed and it's great and it's like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, that's what you get kind of thing. Um, and we're introduced to a deputy sh deputy sheriff named Frank, who is revealed to be the one that took Michael in those years ago. And it's implied that him and Laurie have history. Um, but anyway, Michael kills a bunch of other people and eventually gets to Laurie's house. So, like it's it's it kind of gets confusing. It's kind of like, oh, is he like going to Laurie's house because like he knows that it's Laurie or he knows Laurie? Um, or is he just there because like force of like, oh, it's coincidence and stuff. It's like, it's very confusing. Um, and it's, they kind of explain it a little bit in the next film. Um, but it's like, I don't know. It's very much like, oh, like that is like a wild coincidence, if true, kind of thing. Um, but the film ends with Laurie springing a trap on Michael and locking him in her basement, setting the house on fire. But of course, Michael isn't dead, and that leads us to the next film in the trilogy, Halloween Kills, which actually is my personal favorite in this trilogy. Everyone prefers the first one in this trilogy, but I actually really like this one, um, literally because like the special effects and everything, but uh, we'll get into it. Um, this one starts off where the other left off with an awesome scene of Michael being rescued from the house fire and killing every single one of the firemen that rescue him. Um, and it's, oh my God, the way that this is just structured is amazing. He gets like a circular saw and like cuts off a guy's head. He like gets like one of the like fireman axes and like, you know, oh, it's just, it's so, it's all, it's beautifully shot as well with like the fire in the background. And it's like, oh, you know, it's oh, the cinematography in this. They really did pop off in this one. Um, and it's very much like Laurie's like begging the fireman to not rescue him um, while she's being sent to the hospital because she got stabbed in the last one. Um, but... 
uh yeah basically that whole scene sets the mood for halloween kills um this was called halloween kills and it's just yeah halloween kills yeah michael does kill that like he kills a bunch of people in this one i believe it's like i don't know like almost 40 people i think i watched the kill count on it before shout out to kill count they're amazing i love kill count um it's yeah it's like he kills like no it's like more than that i think it's like over 40 people or something but it's like wild it's like the most in any of the movies um but yeah this film is basically michael just going on a rampage um he kills everyone he comes into contact with and this sets off a mob of people like an angry local mob to find and hunt michael um but they end up actually causing the death of a completely innocent person um which leads them to rethink their motives in this kind of preachy moment like they start off they're kind of like it's a whole evil dies tonight thing and it's like oh you know community rise up against michael myers but then they like force this innocent guy to jump out a window and it's like oh wait that wasn't michael myers they're like and they don't listen to laurie and it's kind of like there's very much a lot of communication errors and inconsistencies in communication in this franchise where very much like one person says something people think it's another thing and stuff and i'm like girl could you just communicate properly please um but yeah that very much does happen in this film um and then there's kind of like a thing where it's like it's like frank the guy uh, the sheriff the deputy sheriff is like oh like i let michael go it was like this thing and so it there's flashbacks which are actually done really well i actually really like how the flashbacks are done in this film and they shoot it in a really similar way to how the original was shot like the filters everything like that and it looks so like true to the original it's really really good and it's basically revealed that uh the deputy accidentally killed uh his sheriff at the time thinking that he was michael myers and then he's like oh my god i killed a guy oh my god this is so shocking um and then he's kind of like struggling with that and then he like comes to terms with that and it's like oh well like you know we're all michael myers and it's like oh we're all the evil you know um and it's it's just kind of i don't know but that it kind of shows how michael was then taken in because then there's like a scene outside where it's like oh um you know michael was taken in and then he was arrested and everything and put back in the sanitarium and it was by this guy and then he was like hailed as a hero but then he like blamed the death of the sheriff on michael instead of like coming to terms with the fact that he had killed him and yada yada and stuff and it was just kind of like oh i don't know it's a bit weird um but anyway nothing really actually happens in this film besides lots of people dying and the whole like preachy bit of like oh community yada yada whatever and stuff um except at the end michael kills laurie's daughter karen it's kind of like this thing where it's like karen has like a vision of like michael as a kid in the window and so then she goes to the myers house um and then stands in the window oh i I forgot to mention um there's two characters in this movie that are like my favorite characters in the franchise um it's these two gay men called big john and little john um, and they buy they bought the Myers house because they're fans of I guess Michael Myers and like true crime and stuff because in the film um it's true crime but obviously in reality it's fiction um, but they're basically just like horror fans to be honest and they're so me like they bought the Myers house um, and they moved there and they're like oh my god and then like there's a bit where Michael comes back to the house um and they're there and they're like michael you're home and it's like what is going on and then michael kills the both of them and it's really funny it's actually really cute as well because uh, when he kills them and i say cute because it's like i don't know um i don't know if cute's the word because he does kill them but um he arranges them uh as they're dead 
in the same way that they're looking in their like wedding photo and it's just like oh my god this is like I love this film <laughs> it's so good um but it was like it's it's such like a fun film um and it was just like it's interesting because the ending of it was kind of jarring because I was not expecting him to kill Karen um because it was kind of like oh he hadn't killed like anyone besides like I think I think he yeah he kills like Laurie's husband but he's such like a forgettable character so it's just like oh okay but then like Karen's so like vocal throughout it it was kind of like oh but then I also kind of didn't really care about her so I was just like okay that's fine um but he kills her in the end and then like they have to come to terms with that in the next movie um but yeah this film was quite fun except for like the existential bits um but I really enjoyed it for the killing montages which were really well executed um but the same can't be said for the sequel now <laughs> the final film in the franchise is called Halloween Ends um but before we get to that I'm going to play a quick song from the first film which is called The Shape Hunts Allison um because the one thing that is consistent throughout these films is that the soundtrack is banging oh my goodness like this soundtrack mwa chef's kiss it's just oh it's so so good so it's basically um this one the soundtrack was composed um it was a joint effort of John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies uh and it was ugh, it's just i don't know it's just so beautiful but this one in particular is a really really good one it's called The Shape Hunts Allison and th- they used apparently like an electric electric violin i believe um to make the titular part of it but like you'll know it when you hear it but it's just oh it's it's so 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 well done but i'm going to play this this is The Shape Hunts Allison from the Halloween 2018 soundtrack was the Shape Hunts Allison from Halloween uh the 2018 one um yeah and so the, yeah like i said the final one uh Halloween 13 is called Halloween Ends because it's kind of like you know wrapping up it's supposed to be the final halloween film and who knows if they're going to make a new one they might if they want more money um but this one's supposed to be kind of like wrapping up the entire story everything like that um and it did not wrap up the story very well i really do not like this one um but i'll I'll talk about how much i dislike it once i summarize it um so it it centers not around michael at all but around a love story between alison and this dude that shows up called cory and um, basically he's introduced as having accidentally killed a child he was babysitting 
um, by pushing him off a ban- like a banister over a stairs um, and it's very much like the kid dies and they're like oh my god he, he killed someone and then he's kind of like outcasted because he killed a kid blah blah whatever even though it was an accident um, and then he kind of, he shows up and uh, fall- he, him and Allison start to get together um, and it's very much like damn Allison you like moved on so quickly um from that guy like your boyfriend that got killed and then in the the first one like that was not that long ago that was literally like two years ago like that no that wasn't even that was like because this one's set like a year after that one and that one's set like literally the day after the other one um yeah so that was literally only a year and i'm like okay you're gonna go out with this guy who like could have murdered accidentally killed a kid like okay work um you know respect but also i'm like okay girl what are you doing you need to go to therapy first uh, because she has not been to therapy um yeah anyway um so what happens is Corey somehow stumbles upon michael myers and he's very much like he starts off like feeling like oh my god maybe i'm gonna kill again and stuff like that and then he meets michael and then him like then he just goes and like starts killing random people and it's like dude what are you doing like go to therapy don't like go around killing people like it's it's so strange and then he basically becomes like he tr- he pretends to be michael or at least his protege and it's basically basically like he goes around killing people akin to michael um and it's just it's very weird and it's very much like is he trying to impress him is he trying to emulate him it's kind of like i don't know it's it's weird um and it's it the film is a lot of him being edgy and him killing people and then he kind of like adopts this like bad boy persona he like gets a motorbike he puts on a leather jacket um he takes off his glasses yeah he has like glasses he's kind of like a nerd in the beginning and then he takes off his glasses and becomes like the bad boy um kind of like in greece but like in like a silly way and it's just kind of like okay and then allison's like wow oh my god he's so bad i love him um and then Laurie is kind of like this dude's bad news I have a bad feeling about him um, and she's still kind of coming to terms with the fact that her daughter's dead her husband's dead all of her friends from her childhood are dead um she's like oh my god my granddaughter's all I have left kind of thing um and now she's going off with this weird guy that she doesn't think is very safe um and has a bad past and she kind of like girl don't do it don't do it and it's very much a lot of Allison saying like but grandma I love him and I can change him type kind of things um and they have a fight and Allison like leaves and she's like oh my god let's run away together and then the two of them like they try to run away together and then it's kind of like okay um what ends up happening (laughs) is uh Corey is like oh I'm gonna kill your grandmother um and Allison's like uh don't do that and Corey's like, well, I'm going to do it. Um, and so <laughs> Laurie's like, okay, well, I'm going to, touche, because I'm going to kill myself first. So then he goes to her house knowing that she's going to kill herself or supposedly um, with the intention of killing her first. So she doesn't except that it was all a ruse. And then instead she like kills him. Uh, well, no, she, she like tries to kill him in instead. And then Michael shows up. Um, and then, so Michael then kills Corey then Laurie comes out and she's like, oh my God, Michael's here. Oh my God, let's fight Michael. And so then everyone bands together and they subdue Michael. They kill him and then they put him in like a meat grinder, um, German reference. Um, but yeah, they basically, they put him in a meat grinder kind of thing. It's actually like a car, like an automobile crusher. 
um but it's, it's basically it becomes a meat grinder um for that one bit and it's very much like there's like this kind of thing and it's like oh the evil's in all of us kind of bullshit um and it's just it's not good and i was just greatly underwhelmed at this movie and i don't think it's worth the watch to be honest um like sure you may think i'm selling it short by being this brief about it but it really doesn't deserve the time for a full-on like like proper like preachy explanation like any of the other ones that actually are quality um but it's basically like i don't know they hyped it up as like the final showdown between laurie and michael and michael's in the film for like five minutes like at most um and then he just gets put in a meat grinder and that that like that's it and they're just like oh yeah look at this oh my god amazing um but anyway that's all of the films summarized um but funnily enough uh, when I saw the original 1978 Halloween for the first time, I believe I was like 12 or 13 and I did not think that it was good. Um, I guess it's just because it wasn't as bloody or gory or jump scary as I'd anticipated it to be. And like I had just gotten really immersed in Five Nights at Freddy's. So I feel like that had rotted my brain at the time. Um, but thankfully, I had the cop on to rewatch it a few years ago. Um, and thank goodness I did because I fell in love with it. And I realized that the true reason why I didn't like the film the first time wasn't that I thought it was uninspired. It was actually because it inspired nearly every horror film that came after it. And in that way, I basically had already seen it through every other subsequent slasher. It's interesting how that works. One very poignant example I can think of recently that isn't even from a horror film is actually from the, from 2022's The Batman, where... And spoiler, if you haven't seen this film, and if you haven't, go watch it. Um, the Riddler strangles the district attorney, Gil Coulson, in a similar way that Michael Myers strangles Annie in Halloween. Um, Annie's one of Laurie's friends, with both of them like wiping away the, the condensation on the windscreen of their cars before they die, um, which is an indication of the murderer already within the vehicle. Um, now, I think that Iconic doesn't even do the original film justice, as it's more than that. Like, there's a reason that shops still sell the original Halloween mask, with which actually, fun fact, was a William Shatner mask, painted white. Um, yeah, they basically just painted a William Shatner mask and, like, cut out the eyes a little bit. Um, yeah, it's literally that easy. Um, but, it, like, the original mask is the original, the most memorable, and honestly, the scariest. And this is important because though there are, like, 12 other films, there are 11 other masks, which each both trying to recreate the feel of the original along with the essence of Michael and his mask but none really come close to the first one um, and the original is my absolute favourite and if I'm being honest there didn't actually need to be any sequels at all um, like as much as I love a few of them like Resurrection and stuff um, like <laughs> they didn't need to exist um, but I do want to mention that the only film in the series directed by John Carpenter was the first one um, though he did have like some significant influence um, in a few of the subsequent ones like especially like Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 um, but that's like the, the fact that he directed the first one is the reason why it's the best um, because it's just like it's so John Carpenter it's so eerie spooky um, but do with that information what you will um, but like you know it's it's such an iconic franchise and you know Michael Myers is in like everything he's recently been added to Fortnite which is so wild I'm like okay I never would have expected this at all um but you know i mean they're i just hope that they add like you know i don't know leatherface or something if they haven't if they've already added leatherface i'm gonna be shocked but i know they added ash williams from evil dead shout out to them as well we'll be doing an evil dead episode in the future i would say um but that's just what i think though um anyway about the whole franchise i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of too long didn't bother and maybe you'll check out the films for yourself 
The next episode will be on the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise in celebration of the release of the upcoming movie, so tune in next time for that. And with that, I'll leave you with one of my favorite songs from the first film, The Reaper slash Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. And I'll just get that up. Do-do-do. Mm-hmm.